I just wonder this morning um, how, how your week has been and welcome. Did you know that you've already been prayed for today? You have been prayed for. Now there's two people, or not people even, but that have prayed for you. Jesus is always interceding for us, number one, always. And in the prayer meeting today, everyone um, was praying and one of the prayers was that you would feel at home here. So I pray that if you're a visitor, I, I don't know if I see any new faces this morning, but if you're a visitor this morning, I really pray that you feel at home and relaxed. And um, I want to just say at the beginning this morning that we're definitely having a time of prayer at the end of the meeting this morning. I know we do that most Sundays, but we really want to make sure that everyone's aware of that, particularly if you've gone out to help with the children and you want to come back in for, for prayer. And we'll, we'll make a time of prayer this morning. Um, so there's a verse um, in the Bible in John. And when, when I was preparing for this meeting, it was really the one verse that was continually kind of brought before me, if you like, and you know that's God, when there was nothing else really that came came forward, and, and we know this, it's a really um, well-known verse of scripture, but it says, in the beginning, and I'm reading from the Amplified, so that's, in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, was Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself, he was present originally with God, all things were made and came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, or put it out, or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and, it, and is unreceptive to it. So the light has overcome the darkness. And I just want you to imagine for a moment, if... if uh, if uh, you were a truck driver, so you're a heavy goods vehicle truck driver now, use your imaginations, and you're driving along the road, and if any of you have seen ice truckers in um, Canada, and they're going along the road, and it's dark, and a lot of warnings are along the side of the road about animals crossing, and beware of mooses, and all those other kind of animals, what is the one thing you are going to need? Headlights. You are going to have to have headlights, aren't you, to get you through. And I'm so aware that in this time and in this season that we need that headlight of God. Um, you know, I've come through a, a diff different sort of year for me, a difficult year, and it's really the light of Christ that keeps you going and, and guides us. And so I just want to take a minute before we start the worship from Sarah, she's at the, the, the piano, just to kind of take a moment and really remember and think how the light of Christ has changed your life. And if you don't know Jesus, well, there's an opportunity for Jesus to change your life. So let's just take a few minutes just to really thank God for that. And Lord, we, we really do thank you, Father God, that you have shone your amazing light, Lord, your illuminating light, Lord, your healing light, your cleansing light, your releasing light, your salvation light into our lives, Father. We thank you that you have made the difference, Lord, and we just want to give thanks personally now for all the ways that you've done that in our lives. We just take those time. Oh, 
we just worship you this morning, Lord, with our voices and our hearts, Lord, as we sing. And uh, we thank you that we have an opportunity to praise you, Father. We thank you that we have an opportunity to celebrate what you have done in our lives, Lord. And uh, we just want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. everyone. Good so lovely to be with you. It seems like absolutely weeks since we've been here. Uh, we, we do miss you all. Um, thank you very much for everyone that prayed for Heinz before we begin. It's a bit better this morning. I really, really appreciate your love and care and your prayers. Um, he was really held up in prayer. Very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to start by singing a song this morning that you probably won't know because a friend of mine wrote it. Um, it's very easy and it's absolutely um, by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, and it talks about because of your goodness I will sing, and because of your goodness I will bring all the worship that I can, and it just exalts Jesus, um, so bear with us, please stand if you want to, and let's join together and come before our, our wonderful, faithful God, um, you know, we've, we've been struck up in having devotions with the kids, thankfully, I've really tried hard for two weeks now, um, every morning before we start schoolwork, and we've been going through the Kings and Chronicles, and seeing how um, even in the Old Testament, God's seen people as being of faith. So before Jesus came and died on the cross, these people in the Old Testament, um, some of the kings, he saw them from their faith. You know, for example, he saw King Asa and said he was perfect before the Lord in all his ways, all his life. But if you actually read it, he really wasn't. He, you know, he actually did muck up a bit in the end. But in God's eyes, he saw him as perfect. And that's because his heart was right before God. And it so much spoke to us. You know, we have tried to teach the kids that Jesus has made them righteous and they're righteous by faith. And we still do things wrong like we all do every day, but we're righteous and made pure by faith. And it's just amazing, isn't it? And we, we read about um, Elisha and how um, the Shunammite lady had a son. There she, he died. And then she, what did she say? She said, it is well. And actually, Elisha said, is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? She said, yes, it's well. <laughs> isn't that funny? That's faith, isn't it? Because she believed in what she knew God could do, not the fact that her son was dead there at home, but that she knew that God could raise him. And she spoke through that, and that helped me through this weekend when mine's been poorly. And um, just so let's lift that up and remember that this morning as well. Not because of anything about us, but because Jesus has done it all. Amen. Stand if you want to.
Lord, we thank you so much for Lucas. We thank you for the preparation, Lord. We thank you for your anointing on him. I pray that you deliver it with clarity, Lord, and that we would receive it clearly as well, Father God. In Jesus' name, While I was preparing this morning for this sermon, um, sorry, not this morning, this week, um, for this sermon, uh, there was one Bible verse that I, I wanted to get in, um, but I just couldn't get it in. It didn't sit right anywhere. And guess what that verse was? 1 John. <laughs> the Word. Um, this morning is all about one thing. It's about God. And in the worship, we just had that as well. Thank you, Sarah. Um, God is central. God is at the heart of it all. I just want to remember these guys at the back as well. They've had a bit of a headache this morning. They've had a lot of things not going smoothly. Um, and yet they keep on working steadily and surely keeping a cool head. So I just want to remember them too. Thanks, guys. Sorry, just uh, to mention the offering here at the front, so feel free at the end. <laughs> and also, um, I'll have notes available, so all of the references, the Bible verses and so on, um, it's just quite a simple, crude thing, so don't expect some well-documented thing. It's a bit crazy points, so um, apologies for that. It's just the raw stuff that I'm working from. The problem is if you start on the wrong screen, it comes up on the other screen. <laughs> So, I've got a three-point sermon today, G-O-D, God. Very simple sermon, it just puts God right at the centre. We've already had a chunk of this. Makes it easy to remember, and there's a little bit of a clue in the title as to what it's about. <laughs> it's just a simple reminder. It's forwards-looking. It's not to make you feel guilty. This is to look forwards for the real hope that we have this is about the truth that we know. It's just simply reminding us, just a tiny reminder 
of some of the truth that we know, but just bringing it right back into focus, putting God right at the heart of everything. God. This is the one and only true God. There is no other God. Just to be clear about the God that I'm talking about, this is the God of the Bible. The most unique book in the whole of human history. There is nothing else like it. It is centred on Jesus, the most unique human that ever walked this earth. These are not light, idle claims. These are truth. If you're unsure about what I'm saying and the claims that I'm making, read this for yourself. This is God's word to us. Read, start reading in the New Testament and just read it. And say to God, show yourself, reveal yourself to me. And he will. It is all about God. Not about us. It's about him. This is his story. The Bible starts, in the beginning, God. The Lord's Prayer starts, our Father in heaven. John 3.16, probably the most famous Bible verse, starts, for God so loved the world. Revelation starts, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him. And finishes, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. We are his. It is about him. How big is your God? I love science. Growing up at school, I was a physicist. I loved physics. In fact, I had electronics as a hobby. A bit embarrassing. I was a complete nerd in this sort of way. Although it was kind of cool because I electrocuted my brother and all sorts of other fun things. But anyway, science. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. So, just to reiterate, God, just in case you missed it. How big is our God? I love science and I follow all of the latest discoveries and explorations and new sciences that are out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of rubbish as well, but I love the real stuff, the real gritty stuff, the hard stuff. But there's one thing that is abundantly clear above all other things, which is our limitations. We really cannot reach the edge of understanding anywhere in any area of science. Let's take the universe. We don't know how big the universe is, even slightly, even vaguely. We don't know how many stars there are, not even slightly. Gravity. Newton sat beneath the tree and an apple hit him on the head and we start to do the Enlightenment, the beginning of formal science, where we started to recognise how things work. Today, we still have no clue what gravity is. Evolution. Here's a fun one. We have so many disparate theories as to how life evolved, and I don't want to get involved in it, but the simple truth is there is massive confusion over it. Even within the evolutionary movement, they cannot decide whether the genetic tree is right or whether the historic fossil tree is right. They are completely at odds with each other. 
there is no real depth of understanding. The brain, the brain, we understand lots about it. We fundamentally clueless how it really operates. Our universe is big. It's complex. We cannot fathom the edges of it. That much is clear from science. But here's the thing. God is bigger than the universe. How big is your God? Do we think we can fit him in a box and define him and tell him how to run things? Revelation 21 verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. God gets to set what is true, right, and good. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person. It's not just our universe, our physical universe, there is a spirit. God created the universe. There is something much greater than the universe. That is God and his reality, and he has put a spirit in each one of us. We find it hard to accept some of these things, such a big God, really? He threw all those stars at the galaxies? He created humans, the brain? No, it's just not possible. It just must have happened somehow. No, this is the God we're talking about. We find it hard to really grasp, because we live in a world around us that's physical, that we touch, that we feel, that we sense, we see. Why can't we see God? I mean, if he is really this amazing, this big, this powerful, then surely it be obvious. Why? Why can't I see it? Why can't I really grasp it? I want to. Why can't I lay hold of it? Freedom. If God turned up on this stage, there would be no debate. In fact, none of us would survive it, but that's another matter in time. <laughs> he has hidden himself. He's withdrawn to give us freedom. He has, in science, I keep finding it time and time again, the debate is right on the edge. You can believe this, or you can believe that. It's not obvious. It's not easy to prove. God has gone out of his way to give a freedom of choice. Who do you trust? Not what can be proved. Who do you trust? He's given us a freedom to choose. The price of freedom is high. Our world is big, loud, confusing, and busy. There's lots of noise. It's full of ideas, new ideas, all vying for our attention. <coughs> Listen, look, see, watch. Who do you trust? Our world is full of knowledge and information, ideas, but very little understanding. There's power. There's fighting for power, there's wrestling, there's world powers, there's people, there's politics, but very little authority. Fame. Oh wow. Our world is full of fame. But no real honour. Doing what is good 
and just and a right of respect. Image. We have images everywhere. Oh, thank you, Facebook and Instagram and goodness knows what. Images are popping up, all sorts of ones, grabbing our attention. Some of them are fun, but not a great deal of wisdom. Perception. Our world is built on perception. Capitalism is built on perception. What you perceive, what you think the value of something is, what, it, what you think something might be. But not a great deal of truth. This is a long verse from Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 10. But bear with me, listen it through, it's in three parts. This is the way of the world. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So I'm not saying that this thing's wrong with doing the world's ways and things of what we have to do, but the one who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, and that turns him away from God. That's the key here. He is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. A salt land is where nothing grows. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. The heat will come, but he does not fear. He will be parched, but he won't be destroyed. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. And fruit in seasons, not all the time necessarily. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The desperate situation we're in. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. As Sarah said, if we're seeking God, that's our part. God will do the rest. Who do we trust? So let's put God central. Let's talk about who we should trust and how. Truth and understanding. Jesus, when he came down to earth, his main message was not to heal, he did heal, he healed people's sight, he healed the lame, but to heal spiritually, to heal spiritual sight. He got very frustrated when people were clamouring at him for all the earthly things, all the physical things. Yes, he could help with those things. Yes, he wanted to bless. Yes, he wanted to love. But there's a far greater picture, there's a far greater God, a far greater reality, a far greater eternity. Our natural focus, understandably, is on down here and now. Let's put those things to one side and instead put God at the centre. God wants us to have our focus on Him, on what will endure forever. We still have to be concerned with the things of life, but 
What is central? What are we trusting? What is at the heart of everything? Righteousness. This is being right with God and with each other. Relationships. They are very central to God. He created creation for relationship with us. John 4, 14. But over the drinks of the water that I will give, him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. This water of life, what is it? How do we do it? Yes, it starts with trust. Other virtues, the two other virtues of God. Holiness. Being free from sin and evil. This is a process. It's a lifelong process. We don't expect in this time to complete that. But it is a journey. When we come to God, he will help us. Honour. Honour is a strange thing. We've completely forgotten in our culture really what honour is. Honour is being right, doing good, being trustworthy, <coughs> gaining respect. These are all slow, long, tiring, hard-working things that bring someone real honour. These are not just titles, not just things that are imagined about somebody. These are real deep truths about somebody that bring them honour. And God has honour. Faith. The Bible talks about faith. At the bottom of it all, the Bible keeps on going on about faith. This is simply trusting God. Having faith in God is simply trusting him. It's actually harder than it looks. I've got here four things. These are just some of them. There's plenty, plenty more. You could write pages and pages of simple truths about God. But some of these jar. Some of these are hard. God is good and just. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How easy do we find it to state these truths? And how deeply do we really believe them? Pain and suffering are not a mistake. But the real, true Christ freedom. The price of freedom is high. It costs us everything. And it costs God everything. Matthew 16, 24-26 Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He wasn't joking. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? God is good and just. It is true. However hard and messy our world is, God knows what he's doing. God can be trusted. God does not make mistakes. God loves.
loves you dearly. Very dearly. It's easy to say these things. Let's dwell on them. Let's take time. Let's wrestle with them. Why don't we find them easy? What is it with giants? What is it that we're struggling with? Take me to God. God is the source of many great things. This is the water of life. This is what brings eternal life. Spiritual life. Faith. I mentioned that before. Faith is really trusting God. Trusting that those statements are true. Fully true. Not just a bit true. Not just true when things are going well. Fully true. Even, as Sarah was talking about, when things are going wrong. God even helps us to learn to trust him. We can't do it on ourselves. But we do need to start. Hope. In a world that seems hopeless, even as Christians, sometimes it seems hopeless. God remains hope. He provides a way forward in any and every situation. He provides real not without pain, not without hardship, not without suffering, but real hope and a real way forward. Love. It will be hard. It is hard. There is a high price. God has paid most of it. But it will be full of love, beauty and wonder. You watch and wait and see how God does things. There is nothing like it. Nothing. Painful, slow at times by our measure of speed. Difficult, tiring, relentless. But God knows what he's doing. <coughs> Micah 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. It's really very simple, but ever so hard. Forgiveness. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to come to God and recognise there is a way forward. There is always a way forward. So let's put those things we're struggling with to the side and focus on God. Rest. My grace is sufficient. God has grace for us. We can have grace for those around us. It's hard. We'll make mistakes. It's okay. Keep coming back to God. 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 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. In summary. It is all about God. Let's take time with him and let him be our source of the water of life. Three words I got from that. You all have got something totally different because God speaks to us what, what we need at the time. Doesn't God is bigger um, than our fear. Um, but we need to seek God. Uh, God is the source. Um, and I liked from tying into what Sarah said before about it is well 
so we can bring that to God and say that, that it is well. And um, I know that uh, last week Maureen uh, shared um, a story and we wanted to follow on from that this week and kind of fits in with this, that God is the source and that God is bigger than, than your challenges. So I'm going to invite Joanna, thanks Joanna, to come up and speak and then we're going to show a video. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, so yeah, as Leanna said, following on from Maureen's moving testimony last week, which included the story of a young man called John, who died from his drug habit, I felt led by God to share something related which occurred in our wider family recently. This picture is of our son-in-law Duncan's older brother of three brothers, um, Douglas. He died in August through addiction, less than a week after this photo was taken. Um, he looked so well and happy, and he was. He had his dream job with Scottish Fisheries, um, and he was uh, free from drugs at that point. But it's not the idea that most of us have of a, an addict. So we're going to show you a video Duncan made um, for the, his organisation, the organisation he works for, Navigators, explaining his reaction to Dougie's death. And I think it brings hope and God's love into this sort of situation. So I felt that it was a good follow-on with an upbeat ending. I'd like to share with everybody today, but to be honest, it's quite raw still, and it will be uh, challenging for me. Um, sadly, just uh, a few months ago, um, I lost my brother, uh, Doogie, um, and unfortunately, Douglas, uh, he wrestled with addiction um, for a lot of his his life, uh, for many years of his adult life, and sadly he um, passed away uh, just a couple of months ago. And so me and my family have been really wrestling with how do we respond to that when not just it seems lost, but all is actually seeming to be to be lost. It is lost um, in my brother's passing, um, and that created lots of questions for me. It's never the way. I expected things to go, and it's not what I thought God's plan would be. Uh, I thought that God would uh, rescue him uh, from addiction. I thought in some ways, you know, that's, that's the whole point, that Jesus came to, to set people free from addiction. Um, I, I wondered about all those prayers that we prayed for him, all the prayers that my mum had prayed for him over the years, um, that we'd see um, some real transformation. In, in that area. And even when I think about it with the rest of my family, I thought it would be a wonderful testimony to see my brother come through that. But it wasn't to be. Uh, and so that's been a lot of wrestling for me, a wrestling that I'm, I'm still uh, going through um, at the moment. My brother's funeral was just now uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, Unlike the Queen's funeral uh, that happened also just, just the other week there, it wasn't quite as well a choreographed um, affair. I'd picked some organ music for my brother's funeral, um, which to be honest was awful, uh, this organ music. The, the, the organ was out of tune with the singing. Uh, we never knew when to start singing, we never knew when to, to stop singing. Uh, the keys seemed to change. The, the versions of the songs were completely unfamiliar to us and it created this real kind of discord and disharmony in the funeral service which my family is all quite musical so it was real 
a real frustration to us. But as it progressed, it was almost like hope began to break through. It was almost like the Spirit of God um, met us in that funeral. And towards the last song that we sang, it was, Oh God, how great thou art. It's a very well-known uh, hymn. And it was like at one point the, the singers just began to ignore this discord and disharmony that this organ music was creating. And the singing became louder and louder and louder until that final verse kind of rang out and Christ will come with shout of acclamation and bring me home and what joy will fill my heart. And all the voices just rang that out as the organ music faded. They rang that out in a powerful um, acapella sound. And later I spoke to a couple of my friends and they thought it was a real picture of Douglas's life, really. It was one in a sense that was filled with the discord and the chaos eh, of addiction and brokenness. But it was also a real life of, of hope. Um, Douglas never, never gave up hope. And in fact, in his final few months, he actually got baptised. He was really wanting to make a, a difference in his life. And he was wanting to pursue God more. And he made real steps of faith, even though uh, the addiction finally did overwhelm him. But the grace of God uh, touched his life. And I remember when we listened to that final singing, it was, it was the sound of, of death being, being swallowed up in victory. There was something of the, the grace of God and the hope that we have in God um, being triumphant, uh, even over over death but I have to be honest in saying like there's been certain when I've been almost seeking God in that there's been some scriptures to be honest that I've read that have really annoyed me and frustrated me <laughs> like the the scriptures that talk about the persistent widow who came back time and time again but eventually her prayers were answered because she persisted in that and God came through and I read that thinking, if that didn't happen to us, so how can I, how can I believe that anymore? But like almost what I was sharing in the funeral, like you just every so often in that wrestling with God, you just see these little glimmers of hope, these little rays coming through as a wrestling with God. I remember the other day a, a, a scripture in the, the Bible really jumped out at me that said, God has redeemed Jacob from an enemy that was too strong for him. And I kind of look at that a little bit as, again, that picture of my brother's life, there was something there that was unresolved and it was too strong. Um, and eventually it did lead to his end. But God has redeemed him. And not in the way that I thought, not in the way that I would have wanted. But I think now I've got this peace, and I can genuinely say that um, in sincerity, that I have this, this peace that Dookie's okay. He's okay. He's actually he's actually better off right now than I am <laughs> as we're sitting sitting missing him. Um, I've got this sense, this deep hope that I'll see him again. I've got this deep hope that somehow or other that God works things out for good. And I don't know how he does it. Um, I'm not God. And I think I've got to continually wrestle with that. And as I do, 
I begin to see that there's things that I want to happen, there's things that my family want to see happen all the time, and we continue wrestling with God in prayer for these things. But sometimes that we are changed too in that process and God lifts us up a wee bit to a different perspective like that, that he is at work and he continues to be at work in this world, um, even when at times it's just hard. Uh, we have a hope that is a bit deeper now. I'm a bit more broken than I was, but my hope um, in him is actually deepened. Al almost like, ironically enough, like right now, even though it's probably been the most darkest and challenging season of my life, it's also been a, a season of singing, <laughs> which is always might sound an unusual thing to say. Um, but not long, only a couple of days after I heard the noise, the, the news about uh, Douglas, um, it really it hit me hard. Um, I did what I usually do, I turned to, to music and I sat with my keyboard and I began to sing like a sad song that I thought would, would cheer me up. And I just remember I just couldn't connect with it at all, I couldn't connect with God, I couldn't connect with the music. And I thought in that moment, I was like, I'm not actually sure I'll ever with sincerity be able to just sing eh, kind of worship songs again. We've been writing lots of songs, but I, I kind of thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to just do that with that same hope and confidence in God. And I kind of went away and left it there. But then I came back a while later and I just thought to myself, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try and sing out this almost joyful song of praise. It seemed quite contrary to my nature at the time, but I was just like, stuff it, I just need to get something out of me. And I began to sing this, this song based on Psalm 98, just this big hymn of joy. And as I did it, I just was screaming. I wasn't even singing, screaming and singing and shouting. And I just felt something break in me. And it was just this joy that just flooded into me. It was almost like God coming and just giving me a big hug. Um, as I as I praised him, as I worshipped him. And it was like his his presence just filled the room as as I was singing. And I constantly always like refrain from an old hymn I've been thinking about um, as I do. And I just I know the truth of these words now more than I ever have before. Um, but they say my life goes on, life goes on um, in, in endless song. Uh, above earth's lamentation. And then it says, because Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? And that is the hope, I think, that is underneath all of this. Because Christ is, is still Lord over heaven and earth, he is in control. He knows when we're born and the time for us to die. And he does have plans and purposes that we know nothing of but he is Lord of heaven and earth. Um, so I'm gonna to continue to keep, to keep singing his praise. Powerful, powerful testimony that, isn't it? And um, I think it illustrates 
some of what Lucas was sharing in the frustrations of life and the challenges of life. And God is still bigger. And we're going to have a time of prayer. The meeting's officially ended now. I'm going to ask Sarah, if she can, just to come up maybe and play the piano while we have a time of prayer. But if you've been affected by this at all, or you need prayer for anything else in your life, know that God still has an answer, and God still has a hope. And I'm reminded of that verse of scripture, you know, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, and, and yet he's bigger, and there's still hope. That was the thing that came out there, wasn't it, of Duncan's testimony, there's still hope. So if you're, if you're not having that hope at this point in time, come and let's pray for you. And uh, be blessed. Have a good week, people. Good to see all of your faces.